You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. Here at Ronnie Mauricio, his first major league at bat, a line drive double into, what you say, right field there, Tom? That would be correct, yes. Okay, so that was exciting, off and running. Uh, Seattle has taken a 1-0 lead at City Field. J.P. Crawford, a solo home run in the fourth inning. Huge game for Seattle. And I was looking at the Seattle lineup, and batting eighth is their designated hitter, Mike Ford. A couple years ago, Mike Ford was a fun story for the Yankees. New Jersey kid, went to Princeton, had big numbers in AAA, came up to the majors, and had a couple of moments for the Yankees, ultimately didn't stick. He's become the everyday DH for the Seattle Mariners, a team that's in first place in the American League West. And I looked at Mike Ford's OPS and his... On base percentage is 318. His slugging percentage is 497. Mike Ford's OPS is 815. And he's the designated hitter for the Seattle Mariners. And then I happened to compare that with the OPS of the designated hitter for the New York Yankees. Former National League MVP Giancarlo Stanton. Stanton's OPS this season is 716. Think about that. Mike Ford's OPS is 100 points higher than that of Giancarlo Stanton. And that's the biggest problem for the Yankees this year. Yes, you can um, look at the starting pitching, and which wasn't terrible the first half of the season. The bullpen was actually pretty good the first half of the season. The Aaron Judge injury was unfortunate when he missed two months. But it was the underperformance of Stanton. It was the underperformance of LeMahieu. It was the underperformance of Anthony Rizzo, which may now be attributed to this injury that he is still trying to recover from. And then the other part of it, what makes the situation so bleak for the Yankees is the fact that there is no easy way out from this because of the constraints on some of these really bad contracts that they have to try to navigate. So the Yankees and the Astros about to get underway. Carlos Rodon, whose last couple of starts were somewhat promising. Rodon is an interest, excuse me, an important guy for the Yankees, the final month of the regular season. NFL. This is it, right? This is our last. And I'm got what am I watching here? Louisville, Georgia Tech. Again, no Apple TV Plus for me. I'll try to switch on the Yankees game on Prime during the next commercial. Louisville and Georgia Tech. I got that on right now. Okay. College football's back. That's fun to watch. The NFL starts in less than a week with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions. And then, of course, next weekend is going to be, and I was at MetLife Stadium on Wednesday night for Bruce. Incredible. 73-year-old man bouncing around that stage with that kind of energy for three-plus straight hours. I mean, I, I went home afterwards, and by the time I got home, I was absolutely exhausted. And I was, you know roughly standing in the same spot during those entire three and a half hours that he was bouncing around a stage in front of 70,000 people at MetLife Stadium, and he is nearly 30 years older than I am. So it says a lot about me, but it says more about him. Just the incre- He's always been an incredible performer, but the, um, the incredible physical condition, he is a freak of nature. And, and, and so many of these guys are who continue to perform – into their 60s, into their 70s. It's still as good a show as it's ever been. I've seen him 
a half a dozen times in my life. It's still as good a show as ever, and I'm watching this guy, and he's 73 years old, and I can't get over it. My father, God bless him, who's not in the kind of shape that Bruce Springsteen is in, is 72 years old. I'm just kind of I'm laughing now thinking about my father doing those kinds of things. I'm laughing thinking about me doing those kinds of things at 44 years old. So it was an incredible show, and I bring it up because next weekend, you can't. I can't imagine a more fun weekend, unless you ever got to a scenario, and this is the scenario that people have asked me about a lot through the years. What would ever happen if the Jets and Giants both got to their conference championship games and both hosted it? Because those games are always on Sunday, and they're always back-to-back. So what would you do if the Jets and the Giants, you know, the NFL – Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, has never had to remotely think about that possibility. But it's interesting to think of what would happen if that ever, you know, would they play one of the games on Saturday? I guess they would almost have to, but that, like, really hurts the TV ratings. Then you only have one conference championship game on Sunday. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent here. What got me thinking about that was that scenario, that fictitious scenario, is probably the only one in which you could have a bigger weekend at MetLife Stadium than the one they're going to host next weekend. When the Giants and the Jets both open up at home, both open up at night in primetime on nationally televised games, both against division rivals who they have a long history with and who they are looking up at in their standings. And on Sunday night, you get the Giants and the Cowboys And then on Monday night, of course, you get the Jets and the Buffalo Bills. And it's going to be just an incredible opening weekend at MetLife Stadium. And I can't wait for it to get here. I have some thoughts on where I think the Jets will finish this year and on where the Giants will finish this year record-wise. Will they make the playoffs? Will they win the division or be a wild card or miss the playoffs entirely? And who do I think will make the playoffs? We'll get into all of that. I want to hear from you also. What do you think the record, a realistic record and result for the Jets and for the Giants will be this season? 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to Jose in Brooklyn. Jose, how are you doing tonight? Hey, good evening, Pat. Shout out to the company. Hello to Tom and Julian working in the back. Just wanted to pretty much uh, chime in on, you know, two two things, you know, since we're getting into, I, I heard you talking uh, about the Yankees in the first hour and boy, it's been bad for them. Um, with, with my Yankee point is, is I, I it, at this point, they, they, there's just nothing else to say. It's, if Howe doesn't make significant changes, I think that there is going to be a problem. And I, I, I know that the media loves Boone. I get it. He was part of the media. He was part of the media with the SPN, and he's a very likable and nice guy. But at the end of the day, this is not personal. I think that the team has gotten worse ever since he has been the manager of the team. We have not gotten closer to that point, and that's kind of and at the fact that this is. This is this is a team that can't even get wins over the dregs of the 
bottom of uh, bottom of the barrel of MLB teams it, from you know fielding conditions and mismanagement of the bullpen and all the other things that go along with it. To me, that's on the manager. Uh, that, 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 a lot of that is on the manager too, and it's not just all on Cashman. Because I and believe me, there's a lot of things that he's done wrong with with the analytic charge and everything else that goes along with it. But that's my Yankee point. And to the Jet point, as far as the expectations. I kind of find it very ironically funny that all the people who pushed for Aaron Rodgers, who wanted Aaron Rodgers for all of the benefits that he does give, you know, giving a higher profile and, you know, getting all the other, you know, ancillary benefits that everybody gets. But it's not, but the fact that now all of a sudden they're walking down the expectations where now I have to be happy with a one round playoff loss to the Bengals, Mr. Graza. I'm sorry, guys. That's not what you guys said. You guys said in order for us to beat the Burroughs, to beat the Mahomes, we needed a guy like Aaron Rodgers. We just didn't need a competent quarterback like Derek Carr or Jimmy G, which was what was going to get us into the playoffs to, to begin with. So when you got Rodgers, that's the reason the Jets fans' expectations grew, because we were getting a four-time MVP that was coming off of a season due to an injury, not because he was declining and, and, and looking old. So let, 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 let's, let's, be ha- let, let's be happy with where the hype is going, because it is, it, it is a, so, when you get Jose, Aaron Rodgers, it is there. Let me ask you a question. If they get into the playoffs as a wild card, they win in the wild card round and then they lose in the divisional round to, you know, a Burrow or a Mahomes. Is that a successful season for you? It depends on how they lose that game. A close game. Not not like the Giants lost to the Eagles last year. More competitive. Okay, yeah, because if they they have a blowout situation where they're getting – Yes, that could leave a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, so that's that's no. But if if you're telling me it's a classic game going back and forth and Burrow, like you know how Mahomes won that game against Allen with those two passes yeah. with less than 15 seconds left, I can't do nothing about that. To me, that's greatness, and that's you know everything that goes along with football. I can't do nothing about that. I, will I be upset and disappointed? Yeah, but I won't I won't call it an outright failure. But the but but we, we, we have to keep the expectations as as where they are. This is That's Aaron fair. Rodgers here. That's this fair, is Aaron Rodgers. And, yeah, and, thanks guys. Thanks for the call, man. <laughs> DJ LeMayhew's second pitch of the game, solo home run to right field. It was almost the identical spot where he hit that home run in game six of the ALCS to um, set up the Yankees' misery of Jose Altuve hitting the walk-off home run off of Aroldis Chapman. But the Yankees off and running, an early one nothing lead. Anthony Volpe batting third. This has to be the first time in his career he's in the three-hole. I'm not 100% sure on that, but uh, he grounds out in the first inning as the Yanks in the uh, Astros are underway. Jason Dominguez in the lineup and batting fifth. Here's what I'll say. Jose had a couple of things there. Aaron Boone. This year is tough to judge Aaron Boone by because the team is just so poorly constructed. But when Boone took over, Boone took – this is what you have to remember about Boone. I don't blame Boone for this year. I blame Cashman for this year and Hal Steinbrenner for this year. The whole philosophy of the organization has gone – 
to a not good place. Little by little, it gets worse every year. Okay, so this year, to me, is not on Boone. But you have to remember, if you make the move, which Brian Cashman did, you know, the Yankees, and I talked about this last hour, the Yankees won the World Series in 09, lost in the ALCS in 10, lost in the ALCS in 12 when Jeter broke his ankle. And then 13, 14, 15, 16, four seasons, they missed the playoffs in three of them. And then the one year they did make the playoffs, they were one and done in the wild card when they got three hit by Dallas Keuchel and the Astros. So essentially, into 2017, you had just gone through a four-year stretch of one playoff game. And then in 2017, with Sanchez and Judge and Severino and that team coming together, you go to Game 7 of the American League Championship Series and lose to the Astros. And that's when Cashman decided to move on from Joe Girardi. And I've said this many times, 2017 is the only season this century in which the Yankees exceeded expectations. So if you're going to, coming off of that season, if you're going to change your manager, you've got to be right. And Aaron Boone took over a really good team that was on the cusp, and they've gotten a little bit worse each year. Game seven of the... ALCS before Boone got here. 2018, they lose in the ALDS. 2019, they lose in Game 6 of the ALCS. 2020, they lose in the ALDS. 2021, they lose in the wild card. 2022, they get swept in the ALCS. A little bit worse every single year. Boone is not the reason why they are where they are right now. He didn't make them worse. Most managers don't have that much of an impact but Aaron Boone has never made the Yankees significantly better. And that's, I think it's reasonable to try to expect something more from your manager. As far as the Jets go, the second point from Jose, Jets make the playoffs. They don't win the division. They win a playoff game. They go to the divisional round. And then they lose. And it, it, for me, it doesn't have to be a dramatic loss like the one that Jose talked about, the uh, you know back-and-forth Kansas City-Buffalo. If they lose, they put up a representative effort. That, to me, is a successful season. This team hasn't been to the playoffs since 2010. And Jason Dominguez, good-looking left-handed hitter, is in the box for his first major league at bat. Jets haven't made the playoffs since 2010. I, I think it's... I think it's foolish, especially in an AFC that includes Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert and Josh Allen, not to mention Patrick Mahomes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> How about that? Second major league pitch that Jason Dominguez sees an opposite field two-run home run over the high wall in left field. Boy, how does he feel right now? There's another one of those scenes, Tom, that you talked about. We just saw it with Ronnie Mauricio's family hugging each other at City Field after his first major league hit. Jason Dominguez, a two-run home run to left field. They're so excited for him. Usually when you hit your first major league homer, you get back to the dugout, they give you the silent treatment. They didn't even want to put him through that. They were so excited for him. They are mobbing him in the dugout. And how about that? 
all of the hype, and who knows where this is going to go, all right? But for this moment, all of the hype and all the expectations, his nickname is The Martian. We've been hearing about him since he was 16 years old, and his first major league at-bat, he hits an opposite field home run off of a future Hall of Fame pitcher in Justin Verlander. Pretty cool stuff. 1-800-919-3776. A lot of Jets talk, a lot of Giants talk, NFL talk coming up on 98.7 ESPN New York. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. All right, so a good night for the rookies so far in their major league debuts. Ronnie Mauricio, a line drive double, his first major league at bat. And then Jason Dominguez in his first against Justin Verlander says, hold my beer, an opposite field, two-run home run to left field off of Justin Verlander. It is the first Yankee to hit a home run in his first major league at bat since two did it in back-to-back at bats. August 13th, 2016, Tyler Austin. And then the very next batter, Aaron Judge, who hit one off the batter's eye in center field that is now the Pepsi Lounge. They each hit a home run in their first major league at bat. And then a little more than seven years after that, Jason Dominguez does it in Houston. 1-800-919-3776. Let's get back to your calls. We're talking expectations for the Giants. And, well, let's be honest, mostly the Jets because they have been the biggest story this entire offseason. Let's go to Vince in Astoria. Hey, Vince. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Um, so, I, I, honestly, the to me, a realistic expectation for the Jets this year is going to be, I know it sounds crazy, it's going to be the AFC Championship game. And the reason I say that is that last year they had a top-five defense, right? And they have an incredible defensive line that's going to get to the quarterback. And plus they have great secondary and last year they lost five, I think, five games where they gave up only 20 points. You take that top five defense and you give them a real offense, which is now what happens when you add one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and Aaron Judge to that offense, and you have some young studs like a Garrett Wilson, and hopefully a, a Brees Hall comes back 100%. I, I wouldn't bring him back early. I'd bring him back for the second half. But now you have a real offense, and those close games, those 20-point games that the defense are giving up, they're going to turn into wins. And that's why that's – my expectations, AFC Championship game. And that's fair, Vince. And, and here's why I think it's fair. Thanks for the call. You look at last year's team. They were 7-4 and four at one point. They finished 7-10. and 10. And if they had just competent quarterback play, and, and by competent, I think Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins, that's probably selling him a little short, to be honest, especially the season he had last year. But you think of a just a solid, not run of the mill, because Cousins is better than that, but just a solid top 15 NFL quarterback. So you put Kirk Cousins on that team last year. I think they go 10 and 7. And the caller Vince just pointed out all the games in which they held the opponent to 20 points or less and lost those games. I mean, you could go through them. So 10 and 7, where would that have put the Jets last year? That would have put them as the fifth seed. So you're the fifth seed last year, then you would have gone on the road in the wild card round to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Could that Jets team have beaten the Jaguars last year? Absolutely. And if they had beaten the Jaguars last year, then they would have advanced to play the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. Now, if you remember that divisional game, it was the same night. It was the first game on that Saturday 
before the Giants got it handed to them by the Eagles. First game was Kansas City-Jacksonville. If you watched the game, or more specifically, if you watched the quarterback series on Netflix that I rather enjoyed, speaking of Kirk Cousins, Patrick Mahomes in that game injured his ankle and had to come out of the game, and he was hobbling around the field the entire game. And if they were going up against a better opponent, or more specifically, an opponent that could get after the quarterback, whether it was Chad Henney, who had to come in and hold down the fort for a quarter while Mahomes is getting his ankle x-rayed, or if they could get it after Mahomes when he came back in and was limping around the field for the entire second half, could that Jets team, with everything else in place but competent quarterback play, have beaten a Chiefs team with a compromised Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely. And if they had won that game, where does that land you? That lands you in the AFC Championship game. Now, that's just one scenario. But when you think about who the Jets were last year, you have to kind of put the six-game losing streak to end the season off to the side because they did not have a quarterback for those six games. You know, Mike White won, and they never won again. He beat the Bears, and they never won again. He got hurt. Wilson came back. He was bad, and then it was just a disaster from that point on. White tried to come back. He was hurt and was bad. So the last six games, they tr they couldn't win because they didn't have a quarterback. And they still, the defense kept them in those games, but they lost all of them. You know, you go through their schedule from last season. You know, I've, got, I've, I've done this exercise with the Giants' schedule a lot, like all the close games that the Giants did win. How about the games like the Jets at home against New England 22-17? to They lose that game. And then, of course, the Zach Wilson game at New England just before Thanksgiving, losing 10-3. to 10-3. to And then the wheels come off. You know, you hold Buffalo to 20 points, and you lose 20-12. to The Detroit game, they were still in it at that point. They were 7-6 and with a chance to go to 8-6, and and they couldn't win that game. And now you're 7-7, and and then the Jacksonville debacle. And then week 18, Joe Flacco plays a game that was meaningless, and you lose to Miami 11-6, a game that Miami had to have and barely won, by the way. Miami needed that game to get into the playoffs, and they barely won. They could only score 11 points, but the Jets could only score six points. So you got to look at the team that was 7-4. and four. That's the team that Aaron Rodgers saw, the team that beat Green Bay in Green Bay 27-10. to 10. And by the way, they beat Green Bay in Green Bay 27-10 last year. In that game, Zach Wilson threw for 110 yards. You think Aaron Rodgers was standing on the other sideline looking at this team saying, eh, you know, maybe I'm a little bit better than this guy. But the rest of this team looks pretty good. We're going to find out. Let's go to Alex in New Jersey. Hey, Alex. Hey, how you doing? Good. How you doing? I'm doing great. I couldn't be more pumped for the Jets this year because you listen – Last year, I feel if they had put up 23 points a game, that team finishes 12-5. and five. You know, when Brees Hall went down and, and ABT went down, that offense never clicked after that. But listen, if Rodgers can be, like, just say, three-quarters of his MVP self and he can get this team to score 27 points a game and that defense does its job, I think this team can win 13 games. I only have them losing to Kansas City, uh, Philadelphia, and splitting with Miami and Buffalo, because I think this team is really dangerous. But, you know, we know Rodgers is not Brady. Understand, Brady went to 
14 conference championship games in 18 years as a starter. Rodgers only went to five. So, you know, Rodgers is not on the same level as Brady, but I think he can repeat what Brady did where he comes to a team that doesn't hasn't made the playoffs in 13 years and he gets them to a Super Bowl and they win. That's the model. And, Alex, if you look at what that Tampa Bay team was before Brady got there, it was a team with great wide receivers and a team that had spotty quarterback play with Jameis Winston. And look what happened. They won the Super Bowl his first year there. They did. Thanks for the call. That's the model. I'm not saying it's going to happen again. You know, then Brady also brought some of his friends, most notably Rob Gronkowski. They brought in Antonio Brown, who did contribute that first year to that Super Bowl season before he went off the rails. And Rodgers has done the same thing. Cobb is here. Lazard is here. Tim Boyle was there in camp with him. You bring in McCall Hardman. Look, the areas of concern for the Jets, obviously offensive line. It seems to be in a pretty good place right now compared to where it has been the last couple of years, but you're really not going to know until you see them on the field against Buffalo in that week one game. You're not going to know until then. As far as what the Jets' record could be, you know, I, I've heard a couple – look, Jets fans are pumped, and you should be pumped. I'm pumped for the Jets' season this year. 13 wins, though, I think that's high. I do. I don't know if – first of all, I don't know if anybody in that division is winning 13 games. The AFC East and the NFC East – are two of the best three divisions in football, the other one being the AFC North, okay? Um, the AFC East and NFC East play each other. So if you're the Jets, for example, you play Buffalo twice, you play Miami twice, you play New England twice, you play the Giants, you play the Eagles, you play Washington, and you play Dallas. That's 10 games. Where's the easy game there? There's not an easy game. Washington is not an easy game. New England is not an easy game. The Giants are not an easy game. Those are probably the best three options to be easy games of those 10. None of those games are easy. So that's why 13 wins, it's a little rich for my blood. I look at the Jets' schedule, win, 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 lose, 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 that little exercise. I look at a solid 11-6 and six team. Now, 11-6 and six in a tightly competitive division, that could win the division. More likely, though, I see them getting into the playoffs as a wild card. But the other part about the Jets is this. And this is what makes the AFC East so difficult. Same with the AFC North, same with the NFC East. All four of those teams in the AFC East, as the season is starting, they feel that they're a playoff team this year. New England, obviously Miami and Buffalo because they were playoff teams last year. Same with the NFC East. The Giants, they were a playoff team. Philadelphia, they're a playoff team. Dallas and Washington missed the playoffs by a game last year. So, you know, there are no layups. There's no Houston. There's no um, Indianapolis. There's no Arizona. There's no L.A. Rams. There are no layups in your division. So you're going to have to play. And this is why, and I'm not taking anything away from Tom Brady, but he when he was winning division after division, after division, every year. There were some years where all three of those teams, the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Bills. Now, the Bills have been good for about five years now, so it's not in recent memory. But there was a long stretch where the Bills were terrible. We know that there was a long stretch where the Jets were not that competitive, and the Dolphins were spotty during that entire stretch. 
that whole last decade that Brady was in New England, there were years where it was you could pencil him in to be 6-0. and He was starting the season 6-0. and They never lost to the Jets. They never lost to the Bills. And occasionally, occasionally, they would lose to the Dolphins. So worst-case scenario, he's starting every season with a 5-1 and record. That helps. You can't say that about any team in the Jets division this year or any team in the Giants division. So I look at the Jets. I look at their schedule. You know, two games against Buffalo, two against Miami, two against New England. You play the Giants. Road games that are tough. Dallas. Denver, you should win, but that's not going to be easy. Cleveland. Three days after Christmas. Not going to be easy. And then you have a couple of tough home games. Kansas City. Um, Washington. I think 11-6 and six is a good spot. That's where I think the Jets finish this year. And I do think that's good enough to make the playoffs. 1-800-919-3776. What are your expectations for the Jets? What would be a disappointing season for the Jets here at 98.7 ESPN New York? You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. Wild scene uh, on that Monday night. The night after it's going to be probably a little bit of a tamer scene for the Giants-Cowboys opener leading up to that game, such as the uh, feeling and the hype around both franchises this season. But still, it's going to be an incredible weekend at MetLife Stadium. I can't wait for it, and I'm all in. 1-800-919-3776. Quick update on the baseball before we get back to the phones. Austin Wells, like Ronnie Mauricio, and like Jason Dominguez, with a base hit in his first major league at bat. So the three call-ups who are making their major league debuts today, all getting base hits in their first major league at bat. Mauricio a double, uh, Wells a single, and then, of course, Dominguez the big blast, a two-run home run to the opposite field off of Justin Verlander. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Merv and Winfield. Hey, Merv, how you doing? Merv, are you there? Hello. Hey, how are you? Yeah, can you hear me? I All got right, you. how are you? I'm good. All right. Um, I just think it's like I understand the optimism, but like, and you're not the only one saying this stuff. Last year, if the Jets had this, and if they had a better quarterback play, they could have won. But aren't you like kind of like not thinking about the other team's defense too, and putting that into account? Of, yeah, they held them to, what, 12 points some games and six another. I mean, you got they did beat Aaron Rodgers and the, and the Packers. So what makes you think that they would have won these other games? Well, they beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Murph, thanks for the call. They got a special teams touchdown that game. The defense, and, and I actually I made the point earlier that they beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers 27-10, to 10, even with... Zach Wilson throwing for 110 yards in that game. So it wasn't an offensive explosion. That's how good the Jets' defense was last year, that in a game in which their quarterback throws barely over 100 yards, they still win comfortably on the road against the future Hall of Fame quarterback. It also helped that particular game getting a special teams touchdown. But no, I I think you have to look at it. Yes, those teams' defenses held the Jets to... 12 points to three points to six points. But 
the Jets teams that they held to those point totals were quarterbacked by Zach Wilson, an injured Mike White, and Chris Strebler. That's the exact point of this season. If you changed nothing, and, and you haven't changed nothing, because you've also brought in Dalvin Cook, you've brought in Alan Lazard, you've brought in Randall Cobb, but if you changed nothing from last year and you ran it back and you made one alteration, Zach Wilson out, Aaron Rodgers in. That is the definition of going from 7-10 and 10 to 10-7. and 7. Especially if you, and I know this is always a dangerous game, going game by game and looking at each one through the lens of if Aaron Rodgers was your quarterback instead of Zach Wilson. Yes, it's a dangerous exercise to do, but that was the glaring thing watching this team. It kind of came out of nowhere, this Jets team last year. There were no expectations at the beginning of last season. And all of a sudden, after kind of having a performance that you expected in week one, when you were blown out by Baltimore at home 24-9, to and you're like, here we go again, and then you go to Cleveland – and you have that miracle comeback led by Joe Flacco to pull that win out, and then Cincinnati comes in and beats you handily, and now all of a sudden you're 1-2, and two and you're down in the fourth quarter at Pittsburgh, and Zach Wilson, that was, that was Zach's finest moment as a Jet. That game and the fourth quarter of the Buffalo game on November 6th, the game that the Jets won 20-17. But Zach's finest hour as a Jet, was the fourth quarter of that Pittsburgh game when they came back to win 24-20. to And then you're starting to think, wow, this team's 2-2, two and two, and they haven't really done anything extraordinary. And then you beat up on Miami. You got a gift because there was no Tua, and Teddy Bridgewater hurt himself, so you're going against their third-string quarterback. And then it was the road trip, Green Bay and Denver, that really opened eyes. The Green Bay game first that we just discussed, going out there, winning 27-10, to 10, and then backing that up. We still didn't know quite the disaster that Denver was that following week under Nathaniel Hackett. But going out to Denver and winning 16-9, to 9, but unfortunately that was when you lost Brees Hall, and that was when you lost Elijah Vera Tucker. And then you come home, and the last team you needed to face at that point was New England because you don't beat New England these days. And now you're five and three. And then there was that game against Buffalo that you beat them, and your defense holds Buffalo to 17 points. They hold Denver to 16. Excuse me, they hold Denver to nine. They hold Green Bay to 10. They hold Miami to 17. They still have the same defense. You just need somebody to command the offense to win those close games that they lost. And now you have that. You have one of the best at that position to ever do it in the history of the NFL. So what are the Jets' expectations? Well, for me, they're pretty high, and they should be high. And if they're not going to be high now, then when are they going to be high? Because you have an intriguing young core, talented offensive and defensive players of the year. You have one of the best, if not the best, defensive line in football. You have one of the best cornerback tandems in football. You have a solid linebacking crew. You have a Hall of Fame quarterback. You have a star in the making at one wide receiver and solid guys at the other. You have two good running backs. I mean, if the expectations for this team aren't going to be high, then when are they going to be high? 
but it doesn't have to be Super Bowl or bust. But it's got to be a darn good season for these guys. And to me, 11-6 and six and at least one playoff win is a good season for a team that has not gone to the playoffs in 13 of them. Here on 98.7 ESPN New York. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. I mean, if the Jets didn't have an infrastructure that was built to win, Aaron Rodgers would not be here. There's a reason why when he left Green Bay, the path led him to Florham Park, New Jersey, to join this team. He didn't pick it out of a hat. They weren't the only one in need of a quarterback. They were the best one in need of a quarterback and really arguably one quarterback away, a Hall of Fame quarterback at that. So it's not just happenstance that Aaron Rodgers ended up with the Jets. It's not that he, you know, like Brett Favre, for example, and that Jets team was actually pretty good too. But when Brett Favre left Green Bay in 2007, he didn't have any options except to come to New York to play with the Jets. He wanted to keep playing because he wanted to eventually get to Minnesota. So he did a year with the Jets. Aaron Rodgers, he could have gone elsewhere. He could have, you know, what did he say? My intention is to play for the Jets. He could have said his intention was to play for Arizona or Washington. You know, these were all teams that were a quarterback away or, you know, maybe not, but in need of a quarterback, I should say. Not a quarterback away. That's why he didn't go to those teams. The Jets were a quarterback away. The greatest of all time, in many people's eyes still, is Joe Montana. And he was on ESPN Radio and says that Rodgers has proven that he's here to win. The first thing that it takes is, it, is just to let his teammates see that a, he, he came there for a reason. He didn't come there just to play quarterback and play his remaining years out. He wants to win. And what does Aaron Rodgers look like in Joe Montana's eyes? He has already figured it out. The first thing that it takes is, it, is just to let his teammates see that he came there for a reason. He didn't come there just to play quarterback and play his remaining years out. He wants to win. Here's my, my barometer on the impact that great sports figures can have um, is, is my wife, who's not a huge sports fan, but obviously is surrounded by sports considering this is my chosen profession and it is on in our house all the time. And we've been watching Hard Knocks together. And while she's not a huge fan of Aaron Rodgers, mainly for the reasons that most people haven't been big fans of Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, he comes off as arrogant, he comes off as cocky, you know, all the reasons why people in the past have not uh, thought that he was their cup of tea. But watching Hard Knocks, the, the one observation that she made to me was this. These players, young and old, mostly young on this team, but these players on the Jets are just so freaking excited to be playing with this guy. And that comes across in Hard Knocks. And I know a lot of the Hard Knocks content is manufactured, and a lot of it is scripted. And to be honest with you, I feel that more of it this year is scripted than in years past. Although I haven't exactly watched every Hard Knocks episode the last few years I have this year that being said the re and, and she's right and I agree with her the reaction for from these guys just standing on the sidelines during drills watching him throw the football watching him command the offense watching him look off a defender and throw it in another direction and the giddiness with which they react to that that's genuine that is not scripted that is not rehearsed 
That is just genuine. Like, I can't believe we get to play with this guy. That's genuine. I truly believe that. And I think that's that's what is going on here, right? This is a talented group of young players who were good enough to go 7-4 and four last season and beat some good teams. They beat Pittsburgh, and they beat Cleveland, and they beat um, Buffalo, and they beat Green Bay when they were still a decent team early in the season. You know, remember how everybody lost their minds for the Giants? It's funny, both the Giants and the Jets last year, the turning point of the season, the game that made people start to believe about each of them was over Green Bay. It was the Giants first. It was that London game where they hung around and hung around and hung around, and then all of a sudden, without Saquon Barkley on the field in the fourth quarter because he was injured, they took the lead, and then they sped past the Packers, and they won the game. And you're like, oh, my God, they actually might have something here with this quarterback and with this head coach. And then for the Jets, it was also the Green Bay game because you can look at the first couple of wins for the Jets. Obviously, the Cleveland come-from-behind win was a complete fluke by Joe Flacco. And the fourth-quarter comeback in Pittsburgh – Against the Steelers, that's not something that would tell you that this team is here to stay. But going into Green Bay and beating Aaron Rodgers 27-10, that opened a lot of people's eyes for this team. This is a good team. But the way that the season ended last year and the lack of success that this franchise has had for more than a decade, the people in that building, on that team, in that uniform, are not yet conditioned to expect to win. And that is a huge part of being successful in the NFL. Every year you see a team, and I haven't gone through all the schedules yet, so I'm not sure who this team is, but I know it's out there. Every year you see a team that has a very, very soft early season schedule. Last year it was the Giants. A very soft early season schedule. And all of a sudden a team that you don't think is – that good. Maybe they're a 6-11 and 11 team. Maybe they're a 7-10 and 10 team. All of a sudden, that team's 3-1. and one, Or that team's 4-1. and one. And then that team starts acting like a 4-1 and one team as opposed to a team that was expected to be 6-11. and 11. And confidence in this sport especially can actually carry you further than perhaps you should go. It has happened for years. It happens every year. Remember last year, the Giants, who do they open up against? Well, they open up against Tennessee, and they had that wild come-from-behind win when they missed the field goal. And then they played Carolina in an ugly game that they easily could have lost, but Carolina was inept and in disarray and weeks away from getting their head coach fired. And then they lost to Dallas, but then they beat an equally bad Chicago Bears team. And all of a sudden, you look up, and the Giants last year are 3-1. and one. And then they start playing with a little bit of a swagger. And now, all of a sudden, the Giants, then they go to London, and they beat Green Bay. They have that wild come from behind when Lamar Jackson lost his head for the last five minutes of the Ravens game and threw an awful interception, and you win that game. It's similar playing with a guy like Aaron Rodgers because that's how you get the confidence. Him in that building, him in that huddle, on that sideline, it gives the team the confidence to believe that they can be better than they are. And they're also, they're already pretty darn good. Seven and four, top five, top six defense in the NFL. One of the best young wide receivers in the NFL. 
one of the best young running backs in the NFL, one of the best veteran running backs in the NFL. Confidence is a crazy, crazy thing in this league. And Aaron Rodgers' presence, and that's just what he gives them in terms of his presence. That's not even delving into what he does with his performance on the field. And that's how you go from 7-10 and 10 to 10-7, and 7, maybe 11-6, and 6, maybe 12-5. and 5. Who knows? But it's going to be some ride here on 98.7 ESPN New York. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.